0: Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church, or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Just get started with a opening in prayer. Would you bow your head and let's just uh, uh, pray. Lord, we thank you tonight for the gathering. Praise you for your presence in our midst. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would open up our eyes to see, our hearts to receive, in Jesus' name. And everybody said? So, what we're doing this month is, uh, we call it Life Lessons 4.0. This is the fourth one we've done like this, where uh, one pastor each week will share something that just uh, is uh, something that sparks our attention and gets a hold of us. And so, Tonight, what I want to uh, challenge us on is being a part of a brand new year is I've called this Seize the Day. Now, carpe diem, yes. Carpe diem is the uh, Latin term for Seize the Day, and I was going to call it carpe diem, but then I thought some people would say, well, what's that? You know, so… Seize the day. Tell yourself, seize the day. Now, listen, all of us should recognize the purpose God has for our lives. Now, I know when I make that statement, sometimes it can cause a little uh, confusion or a little… some people, anxiety or wondering, you know, uh, what is god's purpose for my life and tonight's class I think is going to clarify some things uh, about that very thing. None of us are here by accident. Amen. We are not here just to fill space. Now I understand that that a lot in the in the Christian world uh, there's a lot of um, thought about pastors and those in spotlight ministries or or who are pastoring or evangelists or in full-time ministry, and, and people have a tendency to think, well, yes, God is using them and has a plan for their life, but every single one of us, it, when we get saved, we get gifted by God, and we're here for a reason, to do… Uh, Countless things. And so your life is no less significant than the world's greatest evangelist. Now I know that you hear that and you may go, yeah, right. But it's true. All of our lives lived for God are significant. Uh, When I gave my life to Jesus, I, I realized, and I was only 19 just before my 19th birthday. And I, I, I realized this is what I've been looking for my whole life, uh, Jesus. I, you know, I, I was surprised. I was, uh, actually was shocked. I had no idea that living for God, being a Christian, Now I mean, I always looked at it, I was a teenager. And so I looked at it as being like, oh, yeah, you're going to give up this, give up that. And I, I didn't give up. I got. You know, we got when we got saved, we got, right? And so, I, it was a revelation to me. I had no idea the Christian life could be enjoyable. <laughs> I thought, yeah, right, well, that's, you know, loser, you know, but I really did. I What can you say? I was a teenager, and then, then my life went down the tubes, and I cried out to God, and God answered me and made Himself real to me, and I thought, whew, thank you, Jesus, you know? And so, Anyway, I threw myself into the Christian life, and I went to church all the time back in… You know, I got saved in 1975. I went to church. Uh, we had uh, a Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday night service, and a Bible study during the week. And then about once a month, we'd have revival services that would last four to five nights. So, I was… and I was in college at the time, I, I was in church all the time, and and uh, would uh, then. Uh, started a part-time job, and I, during my work breaks, I'd read my Bible and, and witness to everything that uh, uh, lived and moved and breathed. And, and my reasoning was, <coughs> Jesus is worth my best. And I'd like to tell you that I've always lived up to that, you know, that just uh, my best. But sometimes my zeal, I don't know, is, has been up to what it should be, But I am sensing in myself, and I believe it's true in many in uh, the body of Christ that it's time that we pay attention to what's happening in the world around us, and it's time for us to show the world what Jesus is all about, who the real Jesus is. And and they're only going to know through us. If you've given your life to Christ, I'm telling you, you have a story. Of his intervention in your life. And that story will communicate to other people. Now tell yourself, I believe that. <laughs> Ephesians 5, verse 15 through 17 says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, I want to encourage us all to seize the day. In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul gives us a warning, and I was thinking about warnings. There are some warnings that are just uh, ridiculous, and I found some warning labels on products that were just too good not to share, and so… So, Windex, do not spray in eyes. Komatsu floodlight, this floodlight is capable of illuminating large areas, even in the dark. (laughs) Dremel electric rotary tool, you know what Dremel tool, most of you. This product is not intended to use as a dental drill. Arm and hammer, scoopable cat litter, safe to use around pets. <laughs> Little ones, baby lotion, keep away from children. Yeah. On a hair coloring product, do not use as an ice cream topping. Oh my <laughs> my Stridex foaming face wash, make may contain foam. Okay. A sleep aid warning. This is a warning on a sleep aid. May cause drowsiness. There's a warning for some Christmas lights for indoor or instructions, for indoor or outdoor use only. A BIC lighter. Ignite lighter away from face. Matches, a caution. Contents may catch fire. Yes. Auto shade windshield visor, warning. Do not drive with sh- sunshade in place. Now, this is really weird. On a toilet plunger, caution. Do not use near power lines. <laughs> Bowl fresh safe to use around pets and children, although it is not recommended that either be permitted to drink from the toilet. So, there we go. Some warnings are just ridiculous. But in Ephesians 5, we're given a warning we should pay attention to. Now, listen again, verse 15 and 17, "'Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise,' Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And Paul is being very emphatic here. He's saying, be very careful, don't be unwise, be wise, Uh, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. He's urging us and warning us not to miss God's will for our life. Now again, I understand that when you say things like this, that it can make people feel uneasy because there are so many believers who wonder, how do I even know what God wants to do with my life? And we want to know, don't we? Dr. Viktor Frankl, some of you will have heard of him before, he was imprisoned in Auschwitz concentration camp during World War II And he wrote a book that became a bestseller about his experiences called Man's Search for Meaning. And he was often asked why he thought his Holocaust memoir had become a bestseller, and he said, I do not at all see it so much as an achievement and accomplishment on my part as an expression of the misery of our time. And so he said these words that were applicable to what we're talking about tonight. He says, if hundreds of thousands of people reach out for a book whose very title promises to deal with the question of a meaning to life, it must be a question that burns under their fingernails. And so what he's saying is is that we all, there's something inside that we want to know what the meaning of life is. And one of the biggest questions sincere believers ask is, what is God's will for my life? From the time we give our lives to Christ, we hear preachers say things like, God has an incredible plan for your life, right? We're encouraged, you know. And so, we as sincere believers wonder, well, what's, you know, what's the plan uh, and uh, and it can be frustrating to us because we're waiting for God to reveal the plan, you know, and so it's almost like it's out there somewhere if we could only find it, you know, and so this is why I wanted to share this tonight, is is to encourage us, God's will for our life isn't meant to be just some elusive mem- mystery. It's not just meant to be something, you know, that we wonder about. It's out there somewhere. Someday I'm going to discover it. I'm going to achieve it. I'm going to live it. And I'll know what the will of God is for my life. And so, listen. Ephesians 5.17 again says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, if God tells us not to be foolish and to understand something— then obviously He is going to let us know what that something is, right? And so, God's will, and this is in an overall sense, is sandwiched in between the warnings of verse 15 and 17. Listen again. "'Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise.'" making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And so, in between telling us to be careful, don't be foolish, Paul tells us what God's will is. Make the most of every opportunity. And what he's telling us is seize the day, right? God's will isn't just out there somewhere, it's right here, right now. And we're meant to live our lives knowing that every day we have is God's will, and we should make the most of it. Now, I want you to tell yourself, again, seize the day. That's fairly weak, but that's all right, we're getting there. Uh, Psalm 118 verse 24 says, This is the day the Lord has made we will rejoice and be glad in it. So, this is so important for us to get, that God's will isn't just some mystical, hard-to-find, out-there-somewhere kind of thing. It's today, and we're going to live it. God's will is for us to live Every day we should say, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. In other words, I'm going to live in the fullness of this day. Now, I don't know if I did. I'll leave the quote from Norman Mailer in your notes there. Okay. I'm quoting Norman Mailer. He wasn't a very good guy. He's a journalist and a novelist, and I wouldn't uh, advise you to read his stuff necessarily. But he did say a quote that was worth quoting tonight. We are either living a little more or dying a little bit. And so, God wants us to live a little more every day, Amen. every day. If we'll give our lives like that, I'm going to live. We'll just kind of, and listen, this, this is true, but it sounds like, how can this be? If we will look, recognize that God is in our now, we live in our now, we will almost, well, not almost, we will kind of fall into things that are God's will. That's right. God's will will just happen in our lives. I should have written this in your notes, but it came to me later after I'd already printed it. And if you have a pen, if you would jot down Genesis chapter 24 and verse 27. There's this one verse, but it's about Eleazar, and he was a servant to Abraham. Abraham and Sarah, you know, Abraham and Sarah had a miracle uh, son. His name was Isaac. Eleazar was a servant of Abraham, and Abraham uh, told him to go into their homeland and get a wife for his son Isaac. So, Eleazar's Questioning about how this will work, and uh, he he uh, made a vow to Abraham that he would uh, get a wife from their from their uh, uh, their distant family, so that, Abraham, uh, that so that Isaac wouldn't get you know messed up with another local girl or something like that. So anyway, <clears throat> so Elazar goes into the this other land to to look to their distant relatives or find a wife for. For Isaac and he prayed and he said, God, you're gonna just have to help me. And he says in verse 27, Genesis 24 27, this is after he found uh, a wife for Isaac, uh, Rebecca, right? I think it was Rebecca. Rebecca. And so he kind of just, he's going and he just f- kind of falls into this. Uh, he laid a, a fleece out kind of to the Lord, a thing out and said, Lord, uh, this guy was classic. He, was, he, had, he had it going on in his mind. He had these camels with him, and he said, Lord, I tell you what, uh, when I get to the place, let the woman that's going to be the wife for Isaac offer to water all the animals, all the camels, you know, and that'll be the one. That's how I'll know and this woman comes out. She waters all the camels. After she's finished watering them, he didn't tell her at the beginning, you know, like, hey, are you… He asked after she had finished watering, hey, whose family are you? She said, I'm such and such, Nahor, I think it was the guy's name. And he realized this was the family they were supposed to go and see, and he goes, ah, you know, yay, it worked, you know. And so, what it was is Eleazar in the midst of his life and just day by day going on, he kind of fell into the will of God, and he said these words in verse 27, Genesis 24, 27, being on the way, the Lord led me. And so, this is something for all of us to recognize, is that in our lives, as we just daily say, you know what, God, I'm going to give you my life, then what will happen is over the course of our life, We will just live out the will of God, and being on the way, God leads us. So, with me, you know, it's and and ministry, I never uh, knew that I was going years before. I went to Africa as a missionary. I didn't know that I was going to be in Africa as a missionary. I didn't know that that was God's will for me. But I pastored. I had a burden for the world. I uh, from the time that I gave my life to Christ, I, uh, beyond my, my tithes and offerings, I gave uh, offerings to missions uh, constantly, you know, was, was giving into to the world. I had a burden for the world. And so, uh, I, after pastoring uh, for years, and I went on some overseas mission trips, supported missionaries out of the churches that I pastored, God put a burden on my heart for Africa Uh, I was associate pastor of a large church in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and Brian Yeager had just come back. He was a missionary, had been there for several years in Kenya, came back, uh, was preaching at a conference. I was friends with Brian. We shared and talked together, and after talking to Brian, man, I mean, my heart's just uh, pitter-pattering for Africa. And so the uh, senior pastor of that church, Ron Jones, had been out of town. He comes back into town, asks me to go out to lunch with him. And as we're sitting at a lunch table, he looks at me and he says, God's put a burden on your heart for Africa, hadn't He? And I had not spoken to him, hadn't talked to him, but just kind of in the way, the Lord led me. I ended up going to Kenya and later to Malawi, and my life just began to unfold. So I kind of just being in the way, and I know with ministry it's a little different, but in our lives as believers, this is what happens. God will open up opportunities for us along the way to just live in the will of God. Is this making sense? Just nod at me and and let me know that you at least are thinking that it may. Thank you. Uh, But as far as direction, the same thing was true. And very much so, when I came to Kingman to be a part of the staff here, uh, I had gone through a painful divorce. Uh, I was a single parent, had my two kids in, in Alabama, and Howard, uh, the lead pastor, Howard Pennington called me and asked me to come on staff. And uh, I w- would like to tell you, I just heard angels singing, you know. and. And that I knew immediately, of course, this is God's will for my life, but I was, I was hurting. I was uh, busted up in, inside and wasn't even sure if I was going to be able to pastor again. And uh, he called, and I, I uh, prayed about it, uh, talked to friends about it, and just made a decision to come and, and see what the Lord would do, you know? And you know what's amazing? That was 25 years ago. And coming here, I would like to tell you that I just knew this was what God had for my life and future, but what it was is just kind of being in the way the Lord led me. Up until that time, I had lived in one place for maybe two and a half years before I wanted to do something else. I pastored in a number of places, a missionary in two different countries, and I always felt – I just got itchy foot wanting to do something else. When I moved here, God just opened up my whole life for me. I met Cindy a year later. We've been married for 23-plus years now. And, uh, I mean, God just turned the page and opened up my life before me. And so, I say that to encourage you in your life, as we live for God, He just kind of makes His will known as we live it. So, tell yourself, I believe that. If we… Will live for him in our life today, will be ready for the big events when they do come. Here's a big event. In first Samuel chapter seventeen, verse thirty-three through thirty-six, this is David and Saul talking to David just before he goes to meet Goliath. Saul said to David, You are not able to go up against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth and he is a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and I struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose up against me, I cut it by its beard and struck and killed it. You know, we can read things like that and not really think about them much. He's talking, I don't know if it was a lion or the bear that he grabbed by the beard and struck and killed it, but I mean, that's pretty gutsy, right? And he says, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. So, here's my point. David didn't know years before that one day He was going to come up against this giant Goliath and and kill him, you know, and deliver Israel. He was just a shepherd protecting the sheep, writing songs to God, uh, and killing the occasional bear or lion that came and, and messed with the flock, right? And so, one day his dad tells him to go and deliver some supplies to his brothers who were part of the army that were fighting the Philistines, and he goes to deliver these supplies, he hears this giant yelling insults against God and against God's people, and David thinks, this guy's got to go. Somebody ought to do something about that. And so, David went. He knocked Goliath down with a rock sling, you know, knocked him down, used Goliath's own sword to chop off his head, and then the whole army rallied, and they pushed out the Philistines, and and then later David became king and all that. But listen, the morning when David woke up and faced Goliath, he had no idea that he was going to kill a giant that day. But what he did is he seized the day. And what God wants us to do in our lives, and, and granted, our lives are much different and the times are different from David's, but all of us will have opportunities in our life to, for God to use us, do something with us, in us. And it may be a word of encouragement. You know, uh, I have heard story after story of people who have said just an encouraging word to somebody like on a subway or something. And that person was getting ready to commit suicide, and that encouraging word kept them from killing themselves. I mean, we have no idea, and this is my encouragement to us, Uh, it would be great if we all knew the giants that fell before us in our lives. A lot of us will have things that have happened, and the impact of our life, we will not even know the ripple effect until we get to the other side the majority of the great things and the impact that our lives have made will not fully be known this side of eternity. I can tell you that's true. You may look at yourself and say, I don't know how great of an impact my life is for God, but as you live for God day in and day out, God's presence, spirit, and influence is being made through your life. Now I want you to say, I believe, it. I believe it. Much better. Thank you. Again, Psalm 118, verse 24, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We ought to live our lives intentionally. God's will is an everyday event. And this is the, 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 one of the most important statements that I'm making in this class is this one right here. And so, in my notes, I wrote to remind myself, repeat, God's will is an everyday event. Every single day, that day is a day God gave us to live intentionally, and as we do, we may not understand what's going to happen during the course of the day, and it may seem when we go to bed that night. We may not even know the impact that our lives have made, but as we live for God, the presence of God is moving through us and our lives are having impact. And when the moment does come for something significant, we'll be ready. Make sense? Amen. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So, what he's saying here is give yourself to God, dedicate yourself to God, and you'll find God's will for your life, that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now I do want to make a comment on this, and, and Cindy and I had, had talked about this before the class, is there was a teaching going around some time ago, and maybe still going around, that uh, God's will, because it says good and acceptable and perfect will of God, and they kind of segment this. In other words, there is a good will of God, and then there is an acceptable will of God, and then there is a perfect will of God. and And so, You know, sometimes we're in good will of God, sometimes acceptable, and sometimes perfect. I don't believe that that's what this is saying at all. I think it would say, if it were going to say that, it would say, what is that good or acceptable or perfect will of God? This is just explaining God's will for our life, that it's good, it's acceptable, and it's perfect. Does that make sense? I need to quit saying that, don't I? Just tell me one more time, and I won't say that statement again. That makes sense. Thank you. Okay, Roman numeral two, seizing the day means living in the moment. Irma Bombeck, which is a woman that some of you know, some of you may be too young to know, but you can just listen to this quote. She had a column that she titled, If I Had My Life to Live, over again. And in it, she wrote, I would invite friends over to dinner, even if the carpet was stained and the sofa faded. I would have sat on the lawn with my children and not worried about grass stains. I would never have bought anything just because it was practical, wouldn't show soil, or was guaranteed to last a lifetime. When my child kissed me impetuously, I would never have said later now get washed up for dinner. There would have been more I love you's, more I'm sorries," but mostly giving another shot at life, I would seize every minute, look at it, and really see it, live it, and never give it back. God help us to live every minute, to look at it, really see it, live it, and never give it back. We will enjoy life a lot more if we'll look for God in our now. Psalm 118, 24 again, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. When we remember every day, this is a day that has been handmade by God for me, then we'll be able to rejoice and be glad in it a lot more. God doesn't want us to live dull lives. In John 10, Jesus said, and this is in the Amplified Version, the thief comes only in order to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows." This is the life that Jesus came to give us. This is the kind of life that He means for us to have to the full till it overflows, and we should live in the moment. And when I say in the moment, I'm, I'm saying like right here tonight, right now, in this class with each other. We are, we're sitting in relative comfort, aren't we? Uh, we're opening up God's Word we have companionship with each other, and you know, we're, we're able to be with each other and enjoy the presence of God, and for people around the world, what we are doing tonight, we are living a dream life to them. And we may, we may not even know it, you know. The sad thing is we can be living in our lives a dream life and not even know it. And I have a little bit of an advantage on perspective that others may not have because I've I've been able to travel around the world. I've seen uh, a lot of difficult circumstances in third world countries, especially in Africa, and uh, the hardships that people face. And I had an experience in Mozambique years ago, and I think about it a lot. I've, I've told the story over the years because of the impact that it made in my life. And I, uh, when I was living in Malawi, I traveled with a couple of the Malawian pastors. Uh, one of them you hear us talk about all the time, Pastor Alex Chamorro was with me, and then the other uh, pastor that I worked closely with him in Malawi, uh, Charles Antunya, went with me into Mozambique, and we went to a village called Kambalat Sisi. And it was very primitive, there was no electricity, there was no water. Uh, uh, from a tap. It was all drawn from a uh, hand-dug well. Their food was cooked over an open fire. It was very hot and uncomfortable. Uh, Village life is very hard. And we living here, you know, we, we talk about difficulties and hardships, but we cannot imagine what life would be like every day like that. We just, you know, and I've, I've lived in the States now long enough to where I have to remind myself of these things. But see, something happened that night when the sun set. The whole village gathered together around a campfire and began to sing and praise God. And I didn't know the language. I I, it was—it wasn't the language they speak in in Malawi, Chichewa, where I understood some of the words. But they were singing in their own dialect, and it was very primitive worship. And when I say primitive, I'm talking about like uh, uh, drums, uh, handmade drums out of a out of a stump with cowhide over it, and. Uh, just drumming on this drum, and it was a sing songy kind of thing the way they do in some of the villages it It really is very primitive, but it was about jesus and i I didn't know the words, but i i I mean the presence of God just whoom, came down i'm here I am, you know <laughs> this white guy out in the middle of the African bush, you know, and and this is a very different culture from what I was raised in, for sure. And yet, as I am there worshiping and praising God, I felt as at home there as, as I would of any church or any place in the U.S. And I, I, I had tears streaming down my face because of the presence of God. And there was this guy that had the drum. His hands were deformed. Uh, he had some kind of deformity. His hands were kind of gnarled up like this. But he had that drum, and he was just beating that drum along and leading worship. And, and I know it sounds like I'm kind of romanticizing it, but this is no exaggeration. His face was glowing with the presence of God as he was just using what he had to worship God. And so, you know, it it impacted me incredibly. Uh Life for them was hard, brutal, but what they were doing and showing was, this is the day the Lord made, has made, and they were rejoicing and being glad in it. Amen. And I'm telling you, it convicted me, and, I, and I've thought, and I have thought since then. As I tell the story again, I think you know if these folks can enjoy God in their lives, I had better be able to in mine we can be living a dream life and not even know it. Uh, We can become so accustomed to our privileges that we take them for granted, or worse, be bored by them. You know, they're just so commonplace. that, You know, a lot of us, myself included, I don't always eat because I'm hungry. I just a lot of times eat because it's time to eat, you know. And so, I think sometimes I eat, I hardly even taste the food. I just kind of you know and And so I'm trying to well, I can tell us all how we can uh, enjoy eating better, fast for a day or three, and then once once you start eating it, you're going to enjoy it a lot more. so anyway, sometimes I, and I'll I'll overstate things sometimes with uh, guys in the office. I've been eating a donut in the office before, and and I've said something like, this is the best donut I've ever had in my life, you know. And uh, usually when I stay, or or if I'm out with a group at at a table, I'll say, this is the best hamburger I've ever had in my life. And usually somebody will say, really? And I go, no, no. But I'm trying to live in the moment, you know. If John Poole's ever there, he just rolls his eyes around in his head, you know. He knows me. Anyway, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. Listen, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And so what he's saying, again, is we live in a moment. We recognize God in our moment. Uh, we, we ought to be able to live in and enjoy the moment. We ought to uh, enjoy our families, our church family, be thankful for what we have. You know, one of my greatest joys is, is coming and on a Sunday morning and sitting with Cindy and just sitting in church and listening to the Word of God. It's one of my great joys, I, and, and I know you probably think I'm just trying to score points with Cindy, but it's, it's true, uh, and she's fun to be with, and fun. It's just nice to be in church, listening to the Word of God, and, and enjoying the presence of God. Do you know what I'm talking about? We ought to be able to enjoy that, you know? Plus, she gives me uh, peppermint lifesavers while I'm in church, you know? <laughs> It's a good thing. I was thinking of, of memories and, and enjoying the moment. Uh, when I was pastoring in Chinle on the Navajo reservation, I would go to church, uh, our church there and in and, and morning prayer, and then come back, uh, and I'd sit in my recliner uh, with my Bible, and Dan, who at that time uh, was about seven, he'd crawl up on the arm of my recliner while I'm reading the Word of God and just sit there with me, lean over on me, and I'd be reading the Word of God. And I think about things like that and at the moment, and now as I think about it, you know, I appreciated the moment at the time. And there's so many things like that in our lives. You know, uh, you may be working a job, and, and there may be hassles and irritations with that job, but just recognize that, you know, God has given you something to be able to earn a living, and uh, in the midst of it, even though there's hassles, you know, uh, people give us hassles sometimes. But in the midst of it, God is working His will out in us. Sometimes the people that irritate us are there to help us learn how to be godly. Okay, I'll move off that. All right, We shouldn't allow ourselves to become so accustomed to the blessings that we have that we take them for granted. God's will, I'm wrapping this up, it isn't just in the big events of our life, it's in the day in and day out moments that we have with Him and others. So, Psalm 118, verse 24 again, this is the day the Lord has made, we will rejoice and be glad in it. Closing thought, what may keep us from seizing the day or enjoying God's life in our now may be baggage from our past. And this is why Paul wrote in Philippians three, and it is so important to us. In Philippians three, thirteen and fourteen, he says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so, thank God He can help us put behind us things from our past so that we can move on and enjoy His will in our future. Can you say amen? Amen. Praise God. Let's bow our heads tonight. I want to just pray over us before we Go home and uh, release you with the blessing of God. But if you'll just repeat this out loud with me. Thank you, Jesus, for dying so I can live. Thank you for forgiving me. I won't take for granted the life you have given me. I will live every day knowing it's a gift from you. I will rejoice and be glad in it in Jesus name amen. amen now let me just pray over you Lord we thank you for your will in our lives and God help us to recognize more and more that every day that you've given us that we live for you is the will of God and that in the midst of our living God you work out your will we Thank you. We praise you. I ask that you would just seal your word in our hearts tonight. We praise you. We thank you for the life that you've given us. It is an abundant life, Lord. We thank you for the blessings that are ours, and we pray that you will help us never to take it for granted in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Uh, The weekend, uh, don't miss it. We're going to be serving communion, having a great time in the Lord this weekend, and then next Wednesday night, again, life lessons. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.